0: Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voysin, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all of my listeners who, again, have joined me from around the world year in and year out. Uh, We're exceeding 565 podcasts at this point from world-class authors. And to Jay joining me from Las Vegas is David Tyreman. And David has a book called World Famous, How to Create a Kick-Ass Brand, and I found out about David, believe it or not, through LinkedIn, and we've had several calls since then, and he is an amazing branding expert. Uh, good day to you, David. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Uh, well, it's a pleasure having you on, and I'm going to let my listeners know just a tad bit about you. Um David came to the U.S. uh, from uh, England in 1988, and he started a company called London Antique, Um, and his original plan was to uh, bring antiques over from England and sell them in America. Uh, But I'm going to let David tell that story a little bit more because his story is so fascinating about how he tried this Tupperware approach to selling uh, uh, antiques. Then – In August of 88, uh, through August of 2000, uh, he created where he was actually putting all of these antiques and these images inside these stores for uh, Polo, Ralph Polo, Lauren, uh, he was Nike, Guess, Disney, uh, Levi, and Banana Republic, and Nordstrom, and all across the United States, and he built this company called Propaganda into what was a garage business, a $20 million brand business. Uh, So David's going to be speaking with us a little bit about his story because that's one of my first questions here for him as well. And he's going to be talking to us about how he's helped companies brand themselves um, over the years. Now, David, you have a great story, like I just said, about coming to Huntington Beach You had $5,000 in your pocket. You virtually went broke. You had your last 20 bucks. You went down and had some beers with your partner. Uh, But you got a limo ride home, which is pretty cool. Um, You say you can tell the story because it really helps set the stage for our listeners about how to create a kick-ass brand.
1: Well, well, thank you. Yeah, it's – My big idea, as you said, was to bring some antiques and vintage things from England. And really, we were trying to – I hated my job in London. I was already feeling cynical at 24 years old. And my friend and I, from work, we came on vacation. And you know sometimes when you're on a vacation and you're just lounging back. And for us, coming from rainy old England, to be in Santa Barbara in California on vacation, seeing all these palm trees, seeing the Pacific Ocean, it certainly seemed like paradise. And I remember saying, oh, my God, I could totally live here. And my friend said, me too. And I just suddenly sat up. I'm like, wait, I'm I'm so serious. I'm not kidding. I really want to do this. And so we ended up literally grabbing a napkin and starting to list, well, what could we do and why would we do it and what could work? So there you go. You're absolutely right. I came up with the with the with what we thought was a brilliant idea to bring vintage things from England and sell them the way people buy Tupperware. So yes, Tupperware parties, antique parties in people's homes. Uh. And, and so anyone who's listening, please don't emulate this part of the story because it was, a, it was a nightmare. It was a disaster. And within six months, we were down to our very last $20. And we were living in Huntington Beach. We... I, and by the way, we had something worse than no credit. Sorry, but worse than bad credit. We had no credit cards, no overdraft facility, no friendly bank manager. This was our last $20 in the whole world. And we put, I put it on the kitchen table, and it was a Tuesday. And we sat staring at it. And after a while, I said, have you got any ideas? And he said, no, do you? And that's when I had the brainwave, wait, there's that bar on Main Street and on Tuesday nights, of all things, they do all the beer you can drink for $7. So off we went. And we slapped our $20 down on the bar, and we started drinking beer. And we started talking about all the things that had happened in our journey, in our adventure, from leaving England, buying all these antiques, shipping them, trying to work out how to do import into the United States, um, trying to sell without a clue, and no experience in business, no experience really in selling which had got us to that last 20. And I, I remember I turned to the bartender and I said, we just spent our last 20 in the whole world in this bar. And she looked at me and she said, why? This bar's crap. And I said, well, because we could, you've got the beer deal. It's the only thing we could afford.
0: <laughs> so she,
1: she started pouring shots for us. She started asking questions. And we started telling stories of all of the adventure that we'd had so far. And then she started telling locals and we ended up with a little audience, really, of people asking about what we'd been doing. And, we were, and the more beer and shots that we drank, the more bravado we had in our stories. And, I, and it was an amazing night that I have never forgotten. In fact, I remember at the end of the night, I cried because we couldn't tip the staff. And they'd been awesome to us. And the girl who would mostly served us, she was like, David, look around this bar. She said, everybody in here is broke. But listen, look at the adventure you guys are on. What an amazing experience you've had. We've just been stuck in here all that time. And I remember thinking, wow, she's right. And then she also said, you guys are awesome. Just keep going. And then, you're right, down the bar was a guy who'd been quiet all evening. And he happened to own a limousine company. And he drove us home that night in the back of a brand-spanking-new limousine. And I remember sitting in that car thinking, I am absolutely flat broke, but look at my life. <laughs> yeah. America's awesome.
0: Well, I and- think I think what that led to, you know, really, because you, you start into that, and then you start into kind of the dare, to dare yourself. And you mention in the book that anyone can create a compelling brand, and in doing so, you kind of have helped hundreds of companies create their brand and their image and help people buy products from them. And, you know, you've become this expert in that as a result of placing these antiques And you know, you had a big break at Macy's through the gal there that said, well, we didn't like your competitor. But let's talk about those five steps. One is dare. One is learn why people buy. Three is define a differentiation. Four is adding value. Five is ready, set, engage Can you briefly explain the five steps or importance in creating what you would call, to my listeners, a personal kick-ass brand?
1: Yeah, well, thanks for bringing up the five steps. Because I'm just going to – before I just step into those steps, I just want to say that upon having that realization the next morning flat broke, you're right. That's when I realized there's no way I'm going back and I have back to England a failure And I don't know how to make this happen, but I realized that day that instead of, because I was petrified of being broke and I was, it was that horrible feeling every day, seeing the, 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 our, our reserves going down and down and down and that feeling of dread. And finally it was here. And instead of being, instead of being upset, I was actually relieved. And that's when I really felt this sense of hope and Realized I am totally committed to this, and so when I am so to step into the steps, which writing this book came many years later after I'd realized, wait, we can sell the things we've been trying to sell to people at antique parties. We can sell these to stores, and then a bit later, realizing they're not buying antiques, they're buying differentiation, they're buying the ability to tell a story visually. So we became really clear that we're not just selling stuff to make a space look pretty we're actually communicating a brand to the customers without a word ever having been spoken
0: Mm -hmm. so
1: so as i grew that as we built the business working with all these retailers one day i suddenly realized hang on we're helping these companies build a brand and we don't have one what are we doing so we got busy creating a brand and that's how our company changed from being called London Antique to being called Propaganda. And because a lot of the people in our industry said that they were buying props and displays and so we when we finally came up with Propaganda we were very excited because it's all about it kind of combined props with telling a story. So it was it was a really powerful name.
0: Very so, clever. And you <laughs> and you had that you had a big break from the Gallat uh, at Macy's. So there you said you had this epiphany when you were given the opportunity to beat your competition. You said in your meeting with this buyer at Macy's you found out that she did business with people she liked because she really liked you. She never liked the competition. What was the realization and how does that play into building a kick-ass brand because that's one of the five steps actually that's like hey the differentiation yes define your differentiation in here and this gal was giving you the opportunity which i think was this was a key turning point in this book to a certain degree
1: yeah so i was determined like i said so we would call and call and call and call every single store um everywhere we could and most of the time I had terrible sales skills so most of the time I was rejected um and because really my my question I would get through to somebody and say hi do you want to buy some antiques and normally they'd say no or they'd say oh we just bought an order from this company which I will nickname um golden antiques how about that Mm -hmm. so and I kept on hearing this company called golden antiques and I'm like This company's got the market sewn up. And and along the way, we heard that this company, they had a 50,000-square-foot warehouse in New York. We had a 250-square-foot garage in Costa Mesa. Uh We heard that they had $10 million of inventory. We had about $2,000 of inventory. And we heard that they had salespeople all over the country. And we were just two young guys. And we realized, well, if we were one of our potential customers, I would choose them too, because they sound like they know what they're doing. And we didn't know anything. We didn't know anything about antiques. We didn't know anything about retail. We certainly didn't know how to sell. So I was really worried. And <clears throat> one day I got food to this girl, she was called Patty from Macy's. And I used my brilliant line of, Hi, do you want to buy some antiques? And she said, yes, I want to I need beds quickly um, for the bedding department. I don't have time to order from New York. Can you help me? So I went to see her and she actually ended up placing a big, for for us it was huge, $40,000 order. And she even gave me a $20,000 deposit, which I had no clue you could even ask for. And once once we'd supplied the orders, I took her out for lunch because I had two questions that were really burning me up. And so we had lunch and I said, can I ask you a couple of questions? She said, sure. So I I asked the first question, which is, why did you do business with me? and I was looking, I was hoping for something like earth-shattering that would show me something that was important. And she said, well, because you're fun. And even though I get it now, at the time, that wasn't an answer that I thought was of of any value. I'm like, oh, great. I I was expecting something a bit more, something I could run with. And then I asked the next question, which was very concerning. I was like, what if she's never heard of Golden Antiques? Maybe... I'm going to spill the beans by telling her about them because my next question was, why didn't you use them? And that's where, that was the answer that changed my life because that's when she told me that she literally hated them. And I'm like, why? And she goes, they, they are so rude. They send broken items. They send dirty and dusty uh, display items. They change orders without even asking permission. They just send different stuff. And when I call to complain, they're so rude, they make me feel like I'm the one who's wrong. So that changed my whole world that day because I started to realize that the answer to both questions was really important. And it changed, it started to teach me some sales skills and some ability to differentiate myself from my competitors. And so I started calling stores and saying, you know, you need these things anyway. So how about doing business with a company that's fun to do business with?
0: yeah it it, uh, is, yeah. it is it's a was a big break for you, yes, it was you know you have a chapter on this dare, which is num first part of the first step, yes, and yes. you say stand out, uh discuss doing something that is so contrary to human nature, something so revolutionary that you'll never be the same. Can you give the listeners some examples of the clients that took this dare? and made a name for themselves, something that's made them so extraordinary, they dared to do something different?
1: Well, you know what, I'm going to start by just telling you about a brand which everybody will have heard of. Um, and this is a brand called Virgin Atlantic mm-hmm. Airlines. And and the reason I share this example is something that most people who are listening are going to um Have heard of and maybe even flown. And what's so unique about Virgin Atlantic is that they, even in their, what other airlines would call their first class cabin, they call it upper class. They, Richard Branson wanted to call um, economy riffraff, but Mm. his investors were just too freaked out, too conservative, and they just couldn't agree to let him do that. I'm telling you, every single person I've ever mentioned this to, me included. I would have loved to have flown Riff Raff class. Yeah. And, and I would have been proud to fly it because it was it would be such – the upper class, which I've flown in as well, was such a unique, different experience. So one of the things that we have to start with when we look at a company and say, what can we do to be daring? What's, the, what's our secret? One of the first things we have to look at is to say, well, what industry do we think we're in that could be controlling us and our behavior. Because this is where I start talking about what we call the camouflage brand. Most businesses, they, they've got all this ambition to be something unique. And then they start their business, look over their shoulder to see, well, see how it's done in this industry. Uh, oh, how do, how do dentists set up their waiting room? Or how do plumbers organize their van? And before we know it, we're emulating the, the standard behavior of our industry. So if you could ever talk to Richard Branson and say, oh, well, I see you fly people from London to New York and all around the world. You are, you're obviously in the airline industry. He would say, no, 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 I'm not. We are in the in- entertainment industry. That's And that is a call to action from within the company to realize that we understand what's most important to the aspirations of our customers. Yes, we're going to fly you from A to B, but why are you choosing us? It's because they're engaged in the experience and entertained. So next, I'll give you an example from one of my clients, one of the biggest clients I ever had, which is Polo Ralph Lauren. And again, Polo started off in 1968, Uh, Ralph Lauren himself was making these unique neckties. And so if we could go back in time and say, well, look, I see you making these funky neckties. You're clearly going into the apparel industry. He would even then say, no, no, I'm not. I'm going into the lifestyle industry. And if you look at the brand of Ralph Lauren, and especially one that I worked on more than any other brand was Polo Sport, They're telling a very specific story. They're telling a story of the aspirations of the customer through a lifestyle, images, and ideas. So that's what allows a company to make the very first steps to dare not be just like everybody else who does what they do. So this this idea works. It it takes a challenge. You have to dare yourself to even think about it because sometimes – You're going to be making decisions to behave and give experiences that are contrary to what your customer might have expected, but that's a good thing because that's going to keep them engaged. Well, you certainly
0: have helped your clients as they think out of the box, and you say that people need to be uh, more—they need to—they need more from you than your products or services. They need you to wake up. They want you to charm them. They want you to make them think. They want you to cajole them, tease them, and make them sit up and notice your business. What advice would you have for our listeners after a statement like that to help them make that happen, that more that you're talking about? It's more than just your product or service. It's really charming them. It's waking them up. It's exactly what Virgin does. It's what Nike does. It's what all these companies, as Ralph Lauren are doing, to get you to notice them and that they're differentiating themselves and that their brand is unique.
1: Yeah, the, the, the direct way to answer that question is to grab a piece of paper and a pen right now and write down people by experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I've never been to Russia, but I have heard that not that long ago, if you lived in Russia and you needed bread, there was one way to get it. And you had to go and get in the bread line with everybody else and wait, I don't know how long, hours. And then you get to the front of the line, you'd be given your bread. And here in the Western world, getting the bread is a given, you're gonna get the bread. So it's not about, do I have to stand in that line for the bread? It's really about what experience do I want around my bread? Do I want convenience So am I going to go to the corner store and just grab the any old bread? Do I want artisan bread? Do I want a specific type of bread? Do I want a specific type of service? And so even something as everyday as bread can be completely differentiated and not commoditized by approaching it from this point of view. When we understand no matter how fantastic your product or service is, when you when it comes to building a brand you have to move your products and services kind of almost to the periphery of your mind because the brand is more important the brand is what creates the, an emotional connection with your customer and let me just give you a quick
0: example what do, what do you think just out of curiosity yeah. david <clears throat> what do, what are your thoughts around somebody like starbucks so you you know, all right. of us go into Starbucks, but we now use it as a place to socialize. So we've heard all these articles and read about their branding and how amazing it's been. And I know the guys actually personally that created the logos for Starbucks. They've been personal friends of mine. But, you know, when you look at the revolution that occurred around coffee, but really not coffee, it's really about this meeting spot, right?
1: You're so right. And I'm so glad you brought up Starbucks because... Howard Schultz, the CEO and founder, he was on vacation in Italy and he noticed these barista stands had well, the whole range of community going for this really beautiful quality coffee. And he noticed that it was, in fact, the Starbucks brand is built on one word and that word is romance. What, and, and to me, I just love seeing a multi Billion-dollar corporation that was built on the word love because he noticed that everybody was it was it was like a space between work, the responsibilities of work and the pressures of home, where people really let their hair down, hung out, generate intergenerations, young people hanging out with old people, people from different classes, all congregating in this one place and being together, and that's why when you go to a, a Starbucks, as long as you behave, as long as you're not causing a big ruckus. You can walk in with your laptop, you can sit down, you can spend the whole day there without ever buying even a cup of coffee because their commitment is they're creating a space for community. And one of the great things that happened for Starbucks is at the same time as having this commitment is the change in the whole economy where so many people are becoming uh, independent contractors, independent professionals, right. needing, needing a nice place to meet So tons of people. I've had loads of business meetings at Starbucks. And, uh, by the way, I've bought a few coffees as well. You know, so it's. it's, But, you know,
0: you you stayed in your book. You've got this great section uh, about super niches. Um, Now, obviously, Starbucks has a super niche. You know, they're not trying to be all things to all people. I noticed lately, you know, they're serving more sandwiches and things like that. But for the most part, it's about the coffee, the experience. Talk with the listeners about finding a super niche and not trying to be all things to all people.
1: Yeah, you know, every, through my entire business experience, what I've learned is that the more you get clear about exactly who your customer is, it's kind of like this. When it comes to creating a brand, I, I literally pretend the brand we're working on is a person. And that person is going to be having a relationship with a group of people. So that just like any great relationship, the more you know each other, the more successful you're going to be in that relationship. So when it comes to your significant other, and it happens to be, let's say a birthday, you know, what he or she is going to love. And you also know what he or she is probably not going to be too happy to receive. You, from experience, you know the kind of things that they love doing and that they hate doing. Some people love dancing, some people can't stand it. Some people love walking in nature, other people want to stay in the city. So it's getting to know your customer. It's not just about demographics. Psychographics. It's, it's also about psychographics. Yeah, people's frustrations and aspirations as it pertains to what you do, products and/or services. So we've got to have a feeling that we've got to get to know people, so we can speak to their life. We can we can communicate in a way, sometimes without words, that helps them feel ah, oh, this brand was made for me. And we've all heard people saying the word love, like I love my Mini Cooper or I love my uh, Louis Vuitton. And people use the word love with the word, with a brand. And that's my standard. It's like, if you're going to create a brand, let's, kick, let's create a kick-ass brand that your customers say they love. Because that
0: pretty much guarantees they're going to be coming back for more. And What, what common mistakes do people make in looking at their demographics and psychographics? And how do you help them uh, navigate that? I mean, you know, because it's really about choosing who they're going to sell to,
1: right? You know, yeah, well, what I've found over the years, is that most businesses, they might not admit it the first time you chat to them, but most companies are actually kind of afraid of their customers. They don't know their customers well enough. They haven't spent much time learning who their customer really is. And also in the sales process, I joke about this a lot. If you were single and you were set up on a blind date And you go to the bar at, say, 8 o'clock when you're supposed to meet. And before you've even bought a glass of wine, you turn to your date and say, will you marry me? They're going to run out the door with their hair on fire. And, And that's what people tend to do in business. They are instantly trying to make a sale, whereas the secret is to build a relationship. And we live in a world today where that is so much easier to do because we've got social media. Look how we're talking today. Because of a specific campaign <clears throat> that my company ran to meet people just like you, and now we're talking and we've gotten to know each other, and who knows what might happen in future? Right. Because we have to de- we have to develop that trust. We have to set sow some seeds of of comfort. Most people are most customers, no matter how sophisticated, <clears throat> are afraid of making a mistake and with good reason. So we have to. Focus on, like we were talking about before, the experience Mm
0: -hmm, to mm -hmm.
1: build trust, to build an emotional connection.
0: Yeah, One of the things that everybody goes to when they're doing branding or they've got their brand is you talk about pitching the niche. Um, It helps one to gain (laughs) confidence, which translates into confident brand identity. So for my listeners out there, David, how do you advise or would you advise them to learn how to pitch the niche?
1: <clears throat> Gosh, you know, I'm just going to tell a very quick story because this is the best way I can tell you in the time we have. I was once on a bus in the north of England when I was back visiting my family. And I was on the bus on my own. And I'd start, I realized I was sitting behind these two ladies And over a little bit of time, I christened them Mrs. Prim and Mrs. Proper, because I noticed that no matter who got on or off the bus, they had something to say about them, And (laughs) and and it wasn't it wasn't positive. Now, in my company, propaganda, we're doing business with some of the biggest brands on the planet, you know, Levi's and Nike and Tommy Hilfiger and all of these people. And we used to throw these lavish parties. We knew our customers really well, and they loved our parties. And we had a huge warehouse. We had a big-ass party room. We would have um, the guys in the warehouse build these huge crates, and we'd hire go-go girls and go-go boys, DJs. And then through in the other space, we had waiters and waitresses with silver platters carrying cocktails and hors d'oeuvres. So you could go, and and we had a big smoke machine, and the music was pumping out in the party room. Or you could come and lounge and chit-chat in the lounge area. Now, if we were trying to sell to everybody and on the list of guests, I was like, look, there's Mrs. Prim and Mrs. Proper. Well, wait, they're not going to like the loud music. Better turn that down a bit. They're not going to like seeing half naked girls and guys dancing on these big boxes. We better not, but we won't have the go, go girls and the go, go boys. Um, we better get rid of that smoke machine. It might freak them out. And before you know it, you're having a really bland, forgettable party. So, When we try to sell to everybody, our message and experience is diluted because you start not pleasing anybody. Mm -hmm. So we have to get really clear both who our customer is and who it is not. And I'm not talking about having a bounce on the door saying, oh, you can come in, but you can't. It's like we're going to serve pretty much everybody that wants to buy from us, but we've got to be clear who were really inviting to the party who who were really designed for what who are we really most helping who appreciates what we have more than anyone else because they're the ones <clears throat> that we want to have a the best relationship with so it's it's truly about getting clear of who that when i say pitch the niche it's the combination of your demographics Psychogra- and your psych and your psychographics
0: right right So, David, if my listeners are out there today and they're listening to you and you've got this wonderful book called World Famous, How to Create a Kick-Ass Brand, you've got an online course coming up here within the next couple of months. How do they reach out to you and reach you? Uh, I know that we'll put all the links to your website in there. Worldfamouscompany.com is uh, the landing page for David himself and his company. Uh, But he also has a special offer coming uh, because he's about ready to launch this amazing um, online program to help people with their branding besides the book. Um, what is the best place for them to reach you? How could they get in touch with you, David, uh, to find out more?
1: Great. Thank you. And by the way, that, that new program we have is, is already complete, and we already have the very first people doing it and, and loving it. It's called The People Want What You Sell, brand program so yes because it's brand new it's the it's the best program we've ever made here at world famous so for those people who want to be the first some of the first on board we've got some special added value um you get you get two months of our vp uh, vip brand camp where you are you, because you get the very best of our direction through our online program but everybody has questions. So you can join me and ask your questions of me and I give you direction for two whole months. So if you're interested in doing that program and you want to find out more, just send an email to david at worldfamouscompany.com. That's david at worldfamouscompany.com. And we'll see if we can add any other items of added value to make it a must-do experience because you're going to get everything you need to get clear about your true brand, your true brand message, what differentiates you, and you're going to get to know your customers an awful lot better so you can deliver those experiences that have people coming back time and time again. So thank you so much for for um, mentioning that. We're We're really excited about this program.
0: Well, David you truly are someone with a wealth of knowledge or a thought leader in this area you're so, and people can go a lot of different places for branding but you're not going to find it at the inexpensive prices and the first thing i'd recommend is we'll put a link to amazon to david's book you can buy that book and download it put it on your kindle or get a, a normal paperback version of that book as well, and if that's when, where you want to start, that's great. And if you want to send an email off to David, I highly recommend you do that. He's quite responsive uh, about the course as well. So again, uh, we've been on with David Tyerman. The book is world famous. How to build, how to create a kick-ass brand. Which is on Amazon. We'll have the links is there. We'll have the links to worldfamouscompany.com. David, pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth with me today, uh, sharing some of your stories, your wisdom and knowledge around branding. Uh, truly fascinating story, but more importantly for my listeners, an opportunity to interface with somebody who has a wealth of knowledge about uh, letting you take a dare and building a brand like never before. Thanks so much, David.
1: Thank you so much, it was a pleasure.